there. I'm your friend Bev, host of Stop Psychoanalyzing Me, a podcast about mental health. I interview experts and ask questions about mental disorders that all of us might be curious about. Come join me. Dr. Nina Josefovitz is an assistant professor in the teaching stream in the Department of Applied Psychology and Human Development at the Ontario Institute for Studies of Education at the University of Toronto. She has given workshops on cognitive behavior therapy throughout North America as well as internationally and has published widely on this topic. I am so excited to have you on the show today talking about cognitive behavior therapy And I was thinking before we jump right in, if you could please share just a little bit about yourself. Sure, totally happy to. So I'm a psychologist uh, and I do a variety of things. I see people in clinical practice who are depressed, anxious, trouble with their relationships. I teach at uh, OISE at the University of Toronto. I teach a course in cognitive behavior therapy and I write. I just, the second edition of my book, CBT Made Simple, just came out, which is very exciting for me. And that's who I am. So what exactly is cognitive behavioral therapy or CBT? Okay, so delighted to tell you. First of all, I want to take a bit of a back step and say, what is therapy? Is that okay to start there? Absolutely. So a lot of people go, oh, what's therapy? And it all feels weird and scary. What therapy really is, is you're having a problem in your life. Maybe you're depressed. Maybe you're socially anxious. Maybe you're fighting with your partner. Your kids don't listen to you. You're anxious about COVID. And lots of things you can do to help yourself. One of the things you can do is to talk to someone else. And therapy is really a place where you can go, where it's confidential, where it's just for you, no one else, where you can start to sort out your problems. And in a nutshell, that's what therapy is about. What makes CBT different from other forms of therapy? There are different approaches to therapy, which come from different assumptions about how human beings work and what would be helpful to you. So the basic assumption of CBT is that what causes us distress is what a situation means to us. And I'm going to give you a really simple example. I text a friend. I say, hey, how are you? Shall we go for a walk? And I don't hear back. I could think they're busy. Big deal. I text them back in another half hour. Or I could think, oh, no, they don't like me anymore. They don't want to be my friend. Maybe no one wants to be my friend. Maybe I did something wrong. Maybe this is really like the beginning of being totally alone. I feel really upset. I don't phone my friend back. And so when we say CBT is about how do you understand the world, that's kind of the bottom line. It's we want to look at what, how situations trigger different thoughts. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, absolutely. So 
it sounds like there's a real focus on beliefs and ways of thinking and how that results in problems for folks. You've almost got it. So yes, you're right. But the next piece is just think of yourself. We're pretty complex. And so CBT wants to look at what triggered you. So in this case, it would be my friend didn't respond to my text. Okay. So we looked at the thoughts. But in addition to thoughts, we have feelings we have physical reactions, and we have what we do. Mm. And so when you come to a CBT therapist, they're going to want to know what are your problems. And they are going to want to know your history. And how does your history impact who you are and how you react to the world? But they're going to want to know what's actually happening in your life right now. How are you thinking about it? Like, what are the thoughts that go through your mind? What are your feelings? What's your physical reaction? And what's your behavior? And we often use drawings. So I know this is a podcast, but I want all your listeners to imagine sort of four different squares where you could separate out how are you thinking from how are you feeling to your physical reactions and your behavior and see how they all fit together. I can imagine that could be really difficult for some people who maybe feel like they don't have a good grasp on what they're thinking at any time, or maybe they have difficulties labeling or understanding their own emotions. That's, that sounds like hard work. You know, it's the kind of thing that can be hard work. You know, it's interesting. Some people I talk about CBT, And they immediately go, oh, yeah, that makes so much sense. And I'm going to give your audience a homework assignment because in CVT, we're quite practical people and we like to give homework. So I'm I'm probably going to give a lot of homework during the session. But my first homework is the next time you get upset, rather than going down your usual whatever you do, Stop, take a deep breath and ask yourself, what am I thinking and what am I feeling? And see if just trying to analyze the two changes anything. But I think you're right. It can be hard. And in therapy, we spend a lot of time helping people separate out what are they thinking and feeling. That's an excellent homework example, and I'm definitely going to steal that over the next week. It sounds like CBT involves understanding these four boxes, as you put it, and you mentioned it's very practical. There are homework elements to it. It sounds, and correct me if I'm wrong, but very present-focused, like looking at what's going on right now in someone's life versus maybe other kinds of therapy that focus a lot more on the past. So what else does CBT involve? Or did we kind of hit the nail on the head already? I think we've hit the nail on the head. I think you said something. Well, there were a couple of other things. But I think what you said about the past and the present is really key. So it's not that we don't look at the past. But I want to know how is the past affecting you now? 
So if we go back to my example about the text, if I have a background, my parents loved me, I've always had tons of friends, I'm much more likely to read that text as you were busy and that's why you didn't get back to me. I have a background where there was maybe abuse in my family or neglect or my parents were really absent. I was badly bullied in school. I bring a history of just a lot of difficulties with friends. I'm much more likely to read that text as you don't want to be my friend anymore. However, what we want to see in CBT is how is your past influencing your current beliefs and do they still make sense? So let's say you were badly bullied in grade eight. Mean girls, they were horrible to you and it was pretty awful. You've gone on to go to university and you've got a great group of friends. They aren't mean girls who are going to bully you but you're still reacting to them as if they are. So part of what we do in CBT was we'd help you understand that you were badly bullied. And of course that makes sense. You would then expect people to be mean. But let's take a look at your current friends. Are they a group of mean girls who are gonna bully you and be horrible? No. So what are the chances that when they don't get back to you right away, they're gonna drop you as a friend? pretty small. So it's not that we don't look at the past, but it's that we look at how does the past currently affect the way we're interacting in the world. That makes a lot of sense. And it sounds like part of CBT is trying to understand these beliefs and where did they come from? These beliefs about ourselves or other people. Yep. Can I give a second homework? Of course. Because I'm, I'm sort of this really big fan of using CBT in your own life. I personally have just found it so helpful. So my second homework is I want you to think about a current situation you're having difficulty with. Maybe you're upset that a friend isn't treating you well. Maybe you're upset that your partner hasn't been nice to you. And I want you to think about, are there ways that, or are there messages you learned as a kid that are impacting you right now? So as a kid, did you learn you can't trust people? So it's really hard to trust your current partner. If we go back to the bullying situation, was the message from being bullying that even those people seem nice, they can turn on you on a dime. So when you don't get a text back, does that kind of trigger, oh no, maybe someone isn't going to like me? You know, even I'm finding with a lot of my clients around COVID, was the message as a kid, you can trust doctors, they'll be really helpful to you, in which case you may want to trust and get a vaccine. Or did you learn, don't trust the medical world, you never know what they want, in which case you may be thinking, oh, I shouldn't get the vaccine. So kind of play around with thinking, what kind of messages did I get as a kid? Are they still, am I still living them? 
And do they make sense now for me as an adult? I love that idea, Dr. Josephowitz. Yeah. And I can just see the passion that you have for this therapy. And it's it's really remarkable. So you mentioned a, a number of, of problems, right? Yeah. You mentioned bullying. You mentioned some social anxiety. You mentioned some depression. You mentioned fears around COVID. Are there any other kinds of problems that can be treated with CBT? And maybe conversely, are there some kinds of problems that we wouldn't want to use CBT for? Well, you know, I'm quite passionate about CBT, and I think it's a very effective form of therapy. It started out as a form of therapy just for depression, and has since really become a very wide form of therapy. Depression, social anxiety, eating disorders, substance use disorders, help with parenting, sleep disorders. It's pretty wide right now what you would use CBT for. Yeah, I think, and also just everyday problems. You know, that's sort of why I've been giving your audience homework, because I think you can think of the interventions as helpful if you have a serious problem, and it is. I think all of us can use a little boost right now. I know during COVID, I've personally really been practicing my CBT skills just to maintain my mood, that in many ways they are very practical approaches to life. Dr. Nina Josefovitz is the co-author of CBT Made Simple, a clinician's guide to practicing cognitive behavioral therapy. In CBT Made Simple, therapists will find a practical guide that offers everything they need to know about cognitive behavior therapy, what it is, how it works, and how to implement it in session. The book includes video demonstrations, exercises, and case presentations. To learn more, go to the New Harbinger or Amazon website or to Dr. Josefovitz's website. You know, you sort of answered my next question, which was, do you need a mental health diagnosis to benefit from CBT? And it sounds like, no, that anyone could benefit from this treatment approach as it sounds like we probably all have problems in thinking or behaviors that maintain problems in our lives. Yeah, even in the absence of a diagnosis. Totally. The other thing that I alluded to that I think is really important you know, the bottom line of therapy is how do you help someone have a good life? And I think right now with COVID, we are all struggling with how do we have a good life? And some of the principles of CBT can be really helpful. And one of them that I'm a particular fan of, it's called behavioral activation, which is a sort of a fancy term for the idea that if you're doing things you enjoy, you're more likely to feel better. And for a lot of us, COVID has meant we can't do the things we enjoy. And there is a great tendency to just want to stay home and mope and wish we were doing things differently. And what behavioral activation asks us to do is be really courageous, really resilient, and very honest with ourselves. And that's the piece I like. It's like sitting back and saying, okay, this is my life right now. Personally, I, Nina Josefovitz, cannot make COVID go away. I cannot make it safe to go see my friends and family 
and not wear a mask. I can't do that. Wish I could, but I can't. So given what I can do, what could I add to my life to help me feel even a little bit better? And it may not be as great as it was pre-COVID, but can I play with my dog a little more? Can I take a walk? Can I do a Zoom class? I do Zoom Pilates. It's not as good as my real Pilates, but it's better than sitting and doing nothing. That reminds me so much of this amazing piece of advice I was given one time, which was we often talk about motivation as preceding action, right? Like I felt really motivated, so I cleaned my house. I felt really motivated, so I studied for 10 hours. But actually, the reverse is true. I started studying and then I gained motivation or I started cleaning a small corner of the house and then I had the energy and drive to clean the rest. And it sounds like behavioral activation embodies that that spirit that just do something. And if it makes you feel 1% better, that's better than 0% better. You will be a great therapist. I totally agree. Now, can I? Okay, so I'm now on to my third homework. So the first thing is, I want your audience to think, have you ever been in a situation where you didn't feel like cleaning your house, but you started and then you did more than you thought you would? Or have you ever been in a situation where you just didn't feel like going for that walk, but you pushed yourself and then you did, and it was great? So one of the things we ask in CBT is don't just believe me. Check it out. Do you think it's true? So that's the first thing. Check out if you think what she said is true or not. And then the second thing is think of your life right now, and is there a small thing you could add that would help you feel better? And if the answer is yes, think about what it would be, when you would do it, and how long you would do it for. So can I add, like, I have one thing I could add as I'm thinking. Do you have something you could add? I think so. Yeah, I think everyone could. I think I would like to take more walks outside. And that that could be something I actually put in my schedule and my planner. See, this would be an example of CBT. Like, can I just play CBT therapist? Okay, so you're saying I'd like to take more works at, walks outside. It's like really vague. I would guess it'll never happen. Mm -hmm. If we would say, how much more walks do you want to take? When do you want to take them? How long do you want to take them for? Do you want to take them with a girlfriend or a boyfriend or alone or your dog? Like, could we be a little more specific? Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's such a great point. In this live CBT session here on the podcast, I would like to take at least one more 30-minute walk per week. To be clear to my listeners, I walk often, but I think walking really helps. And there are some days when I just can't seem to find the time. So it would be nice on my very busy day, which is Tuesday, if I could take one extra 30-minute walk on a Tuesday. Okay. So listeners, is she, she is almost there, but she, we did like, as a therapist, she didn't quite nail it because she gave me a day and she okay. gave me how long. 
Okay. She didn't give me a time. That's true. I didn't give a time. So I would say, I mean, I wouldn't kid her. Like I'm not being a very empathic therapist right now, but I would say something like, he gave me a time and a length, but I'm wondering if it would be helpful to really specify a time also. What about 11 a.m. on a Tuesday? So that sounds great. And I'm sort of curious. When we started with more walking would be good for me, and now we're going to half an hour Tuesday at 11 a.m., which one feels more doable to you? Definitely the latter, where I actually plan it out and put it in my schedule, because I can actually schedule it into my Google Calendar and tell you about it if I see you again as my therapist. Okay, so one of the things we also want to do in CBT is I want you to build skills because one day you're not going to be in therapy with me. Mm. So this would be an opportunity for me to say to you, you know, I think we just learned something pretty important that when there's something you want to do, mm. if instead of making it vague, if you kind of go, okay, what are my CBT skills here? And you say, oh, yeah, I want to take this vague plan and figure out when and how long and where and even write it down. That'll make it more likely I do it. So I'd really want to make sure that was a skill you took away. I love that. And it's it sounds easy. But that's actually tough to find the time to do these things. And I can also imagine, too, maybe some sometimes folks feel guilt or, oh, I don't deserve to do this extra activity because I'm so low. Or maybe they feel guilt because they have mouths to feed at home and they're worried about their kids and they feel like taking me time isn't important. So I imagine that CBT can also help challenge some of those kinds of thoughts around what it means to take time. I think what you raised is really, really important. And we would get at that in a couple of ways. I might say to you, so we've designed, you know, we've developed, you know, a, a plan that you think might help. When you think of doing it, what happens? And I'd listen for exactly the kind of thoughts you talked about. Oh, I can't do it. I'm, I won't fit it in. My kids will need me or I really should be working. And we'd want to take a look at what are the thoughts that get in the way. And then we want to take a look at do they really make sense for you right now? Because I would guess... Those thoughts come from some of old messages, maybe family messages, maybe societal messages. There is a lot of women grew up with put family first, put friends first. Don't put yourself first. That's selfish. A lot of men and women grew up with put work first. So we'd want to take a look at that. And then CBT also has something we call distorted thinking patterns. And I just want to talk a little bit about them, because I would want to try and help you identify your distorted thinking patterns. So let's say I said, you know, when you think of going walking, what goes through your mind? And you say, oh, I will never get my work done. If I take an extra half hour off, it's just going to be terrible 
And I, I, I don't know how I could ever do that. I sort of wonder if you weren't catastrophizing because a half hour walk is not going to make it impossible to finish your work, most likely. And a lot of us catastrophize. We take a look at, we automatically go to the worst case scenario. And we think it's true, as opposed to thinking, okay, here's my worst case scenario, but what's a best case scenario? Is there an alternative case scenario? I actually just wrote a Psychology Today blog on, if people go to the Psychology Today website, you can find my blog looking at how to create a best case scenario. And that's sort of interesting. So again, I got more homework for all of you. When you're caught in your worst case scenario, sort of step back and think, okay, is, is there a best case scenario? The other thing that people often do is they have what I call personalizing or what the literature calls personalizing. So for example, let's go back to our friend who didn't text us and you think, oh, they don't like me. You're personalizing. Like most of the time when I don't get back to friends, and I often don't email people back right away, I don't know about you, uh, but it's not because I don't like them, it's because either their email got lost in my endless emails, or I got busy, or I wanted to check something out. It's about me, it's not about you. So personalizing is when you think someone did something because of you and it's negative. My friend didn't call, my partner didn't do the dishes, it's because they don't care about me. No, they probably didn't do the dishes because they didn't want to do dishes, that it had nothing to do about loving you or not loving you. My kid didn't listen to me because they don't respect me as a mother. Well, there's a good chance they didn't listen to you because they wanted to go out and play. Oh, uh, that it wasn't about respecting you. This is so helpful because I think we all engage in these kinds of thinking. As you were talking there, I was thinking about all the times I've catastrophized or, or made a catastrophe out of something small or I've taken things personally. Another one I've heard of, and I'm wondering if this is CBT too, is all or nothing thinking, like I'm either all good or all bad, things are all awesome or all terrible. Is that another example of these distorted thoughts? It totally. I think there are probably something like 10 of them, 10 different categories. And I'm sort of sitting here going, okay, do I talk about all of them? No, I don't want to overwhelm your audience, but I agree. Black, they, sometimes they call it black or white thinking, sometimes all or nothing thinking. And it's when you're either good or you're bad, or your partner is either good or bad or your child is either listens to you or is impossible. And what happens when we do this all or nothing thinking, it's never that we're at the all good side. It's that we're taking either ourselves and rather than being compassionate or people in our lives and rather than being understanding, we're very judgmental. And the irony is if I say to myself, I'm a failure, I didn't get something done on time, I'm a failure, it's not neat enough, it's not good enough, what happens? We get demoralized and we avoid. 
if I say to myself, tried my best, maybe it wasn't perfect, but it's not a catastrophe, I feel much more motivated to re-engage and try again tomorrow. Wow, what a clear example of how our thoughts totally influence our behavior. And I, I feel like we got such a nice sort of teaser, if you will, of what CBT would involve. And I'd love to summarize what I've learned today because I've learned a lot. So it sounds like CBT is present focused. It's very practical. It involves homework exercises. It might involve testing out different assumptions that we might have. For example, you gave that experiment, if you will, as homework, that experiment of testing out, does motivation occur after action, right? So there's probably some evidence testing. It sounds like there's learning about these different kinds of unhelpful thinking styles. And it also sounds like, too, that there is an emphasis on behavior. For example, the behavioral activation exercise that you gave me. So it does sound very robust, really, like a very robust sort of treatment plan. And and it targets a lot of different aspects of, of one's life. I think that's really well said. Thank you. Now, before we end, can I plug my book? Absolutely, yes. Tell us a little bit about it. Well, it's a book called CBT Made Simple. And it's a book mainly oriented towards therapists and how to do CBT. But a lot of people who aren't therapists have told me they found it really helpful because it sort of goes step-by-step step on how to do CBT. Tons of dialogues where you sort of can read it and go, oh, that could apply to me. Lots of exercises. I think your audience might find it helpful. A link to getting the book will be in our show description. So wherever you're listening to this now, you'll be able to see a link to Dr. Josephowitz's work. Maybe before we go, if you don't mind, is there any key takeaway or summary that you'd really like our listeners to leave with today? Is there a message you really'd like to convey to everyone? I guess the bottom line for me is two things. One is really step back and think, is there something I could add to my life to make my life a little bit better? Because I would like this podcast not to just to be... Nina said some things interesting or not, you know, or we laughed together or we didn't. But is there a way I could really take something that would be helpful? And if it could be a walk, it could be watching a Netflix show you like, it could be, I don't know, whatever makes sense for you. And then plan a time when you could actually do it. And the other thing is notice your thoughts and how they sabotage you from doing things that would be taking care of yourself. Because COVID is hard. I think what's going on is really hard for everyone. And we all do need to be kind to ourselves and give ourselves a boost. Incredible words, Dr. Josephowitz. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Well, thank you. I thoroughly enjoyed it. And it was lovely talking to you and talking to your audience. And that was today's episode. Thanks for tuning in. 
This podcast was hosted by Bev Catherine and produced by Yuri Hladio. Podcasting isn't free. Consider supporting the podcast by becoming a patron on patreon.com. You'll get early access to episodes and other exclusive content. You can find us on patreon.com slash stop psychoanalyzing me. Until next time. 